right here. When we walk with the Lord and the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. chapter 24 and verse 13 and behold two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs and they talked together of all these things which had happened and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were holding that they should not know him and he said unto them what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. 
And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early, <clears throat> which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of Luke. Brother Gene left off chapter 24, Luke 24. We have the account here of the event that took place on the road to Emmaus when two were on their way to Emmaus and they ran into the Lord. They didn't recognize Him, did they? They did not. They explained all these things that had happened uh, in recent days in and around Jerusalem uh, in their perspective. Well, they said in verse 20, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. They didn't realize they were talking to him. But we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And it was him. It was the Redeemer that they were speaking to. They simply didn't recognize him. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And they told him of the women going to the sepulchre. And in verse 23, when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that it was he alive. It was not a vision, was it? That was their conclusion of what the women came and witnessed to them that they had seen and heard when the angel told them that he is not here. Ye seek him. The angel knew that they were seeking him or sought him, but he is not here for he is risen. Even as he said, or according to his word. The Lord came and he lived out all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that pointed to him, the shadows and types of him. And it's interesting, we're going to see in verse 27, that he expounds himself to them from the Scriptures or the Old Testament. Then he said unto them, verse 25, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus Christ is all through the Old Testament. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? That was a question that He asked them. Should, and at this point, He's using His name rather than saying me, should I not have suffered these things that were prophesied of me for me and about me in the Scriptures. And so, he explained. We see after he explained himself and his presence in the Old Testament and now in the New Testament, now being when he's talking to them here on the road to Emmaus, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning 
himself. The things concerning the Son of God who was prophesied over and over and over, whose blood on the cross that was shed for the sins of His people was pointed to over and over millions of innocent lives were sacrificed. Animals. And they were sacrificed in the way that God directed so that they rightly and perfectly in His eyes pointed to Him. It all points to Him. All right. So we're going to skim over a little bit of the Old Testament this morning. And we're going to see that Jesus Christ in Genesis was the seed of the woman. Promised to crush the enemy. He was pictured in the coats of skins that God took the lives of animals for and covered Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness and in the eyes of God, their disobedience or their sin. They weren't happy anymore. Why not? They discontinued to trust and obey. They trusted another source of information, didn't they? Yes, they did. And oh, what a great consequence came from that. The sin and the curse on mankind and the earth. In Exodus, He was the Passover lamb. Again, perfectly pointed to. He is the Passover lamb. Remember, they took... They took the little lamb in to the household. It had to be of a certain age. It couldn't have any spots on it or any blemishes on it. It was perfect as far as those animals were concerned. It was a perfect example. They took it into the house. What happens when you take a baby into the house? Any baby of any animal. Everybody loves a baby. And they kept him for so many days. And then they were instructed to cut its throat. So typical of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was him that this pointed to. It was his blood that they were instructed to paint on the lintels of the door so that when death sent from God to the firstborn, passed through. It went over them. It passed over them. The wrath of God passed over them. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ was represented in that perfect Lamb. He is the Passover Lamb. He gave His perfect life. Perfect life. In Leviticus, He was our high priest. He is our high priest now when He died on the cross. What was it that happened to the veil? It was torn from top to bottom. Who was allowed to go on the other side of that veil to contact God on another's behalf? The high priest. We don't need Him anymore. Why? Because Jesus is our high priest. In Numbers, He was the pillar of cloud 
during the day that protected the children of Israel. And He was the pillar of fire at night to light their way. He was the rock from which came living water. In Deuteronomy, He was a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, He was the commander of the Lord's army. Remember that? Joshua was standing there looking at the walls of Jericho. And there was another there. We won't turn and read it exactly, but he ran up to him. He said, are you with us or against us? And it was the Lord. And it was a great typical example because Joshua was looking at those walls going, we've got to get on the other side of those things. That's the duty that God has given us. That is the job that God has given us to overtake this great walled city. But between Him, His concern, His worry, His lack of ideas or plans, stood the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Him. And He stood between His people and their future problems or their problem even at that time. He gave them specific instructions about blowing the ram's horn. How many and when? How many times to march around this great city? And then on the last day, how many times to march? And the walls fell flat down. And they walked into that city that God had promised them. In Judges, He is the judge and the lawgiver. He is over all. There is no little g gods. It's only Him. Everything else is a figment of somebody's imagination or an object that somebody has created. It's only Him. There is none other. And Ruth, of course, He's our kinsman, Redeemer. What a Savior. All through this book, it points to Him and it always has. It always will. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven, the psalmist said. In First and Second Samuel, He is the seed of David. And He will reign on that throne. He was a reigning king in Kings and Chronicles. In Ezra... He was the faithful, is the faithful scribe. And you can trust His Word. Why? Because He wrote it. Because He wrote it. In Nehemiah, He was the rebuilder of everything that was broken. He's still in that business. We're going to live in a new heaven and a new earth. We look at the natural wonders of this earth and day. We can't even understand how God would put some of these natural things, the animals, the insects, how they work, how they live. How did God put all that together? Well, just imagine the new earth. Just imagine the new Jerusalem. How wonderful it's going to be. If we can't, we can't even understand what He's done here in the natural. 
going to be amazing. In Esther, he was our Mordecai, our advocate. The one who stands between us and the righteousness of God. He has a right to stand there. He earned that right. His body was perfect. His body went back into heaven too. They witnessed it. In the same book where we're at. In Job, he's the ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, oh, he is the Good Shepherd. How many sheep will he lose to the enemy? Zero. He's the Good Shepherd. The sheep know his voice. How do they know his voice? Because he contacted them and gave them this desire or this will to do his pleasure. Remember, we just read it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will or to want to do His pleasure and then to do of His good pleasure. In Proverbs, He is our wisdom. Again, we trust in His Word. This faith, Jesus Christ is the author of it. And praise God, this faith, He is the finisher of it. None can take you from his hand. Ecclesiastes is the meaning for life. In the Song of Solomon, he is a loving bridegroom. And he's coming back for his bride. And he's coming back soon. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. What is it that he continually says uh, to his disciples when he comes upon them and they're worried, they're distraught, they're fearful? He says, peace, doesn't he? Peace. He has the right to proclaim peace because he purchased peace by giving his perfect life for you and for me. We have that peace in our heart. Happiness is something that seems to come and go. But peace and joy in the heart in Him, it doesn't go. It's eternal. And it's fixed there, sealed by the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah and Lamentation, He is the weeping prophet. The shortest verse in the Bible says that Jesus wept. Because he felt the sorrow that they felt when they lost their loved one. Jesus wept. In Ezekiel, he is the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he was the fourth man in the furnace. We are like those three. How? In the presence of the Lord, nothing can harm us. They were in a furnace. Brother Chuck has taught on how hot that furnace was before. Because he knows about welding and temperatures and stuff like that. It was hot. But Jesus was there. And in His presence, none can do us harm. They didn't even smell like smoke. 
like they had a bubble around them, protecting them. And that was the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Hosea, he's a faithful husband. And Joel, he was the outpourer of the Holy Spirit. And he still is, praise God. He uses this foolishness of preaching his gospel to save souls by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit applies the gospel to the heart and the mind. And Amos is our burden bearer. Praise God. When we look back on our lives, it's a sorrowful thing, isn't it? But praise God, He bears these burdens. And Obadiah, He's the judge and Savior. And Jonah, He's a risen prophet. What a wonderful picture of our Lord. That Jonah was three days in the belly of a whale. He said, Death passed over me. What did Jonah do wrong? Well, he disobeyed God, didn't he? Did God just write him off and go get somebody else? He straightened him out, didn't he? He went and got that sheep, you see, and put him back on the path. And what's the first thing he said when the fish spit him out on the beach? Salvation is of the Lord. Anybody got any doubts? Salvation is of the Lord. Ask me. And Micah, he's the world ruler from Bethlehem. And let me tell you, as we've already spoke of this morning, every knee shall bow to him. Don't care what they believe. It doesn't matter. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. The entire Bible proclaims His majesty, doesn't it? In Nahum, he's a stronghold. Where do we stand? We stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the stronghold. Because it moves not. Neither will he. In Habakkuk, he's the watchman. Zephaniah, he's the mighty to save. Haggai, he's the restorer. And he is a mighty Restore. And Zechariah, he was the branch of David, the one who was pierced for us. Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. What a Savior he is. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's verse 27 of Luke 24. Verse 28 says, And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. He made as though he would go on further, would have gone on further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, or at dinner, He took bread and blessed it 
and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. He was there, but they didn't know him. But he took bread. I want us to notice this verse. He took bread and he broke it. And he blessed it. And he gave it to them. And what happened? Their eyes were open and they knew him. He took bread. What does bread symbol in this book? It's the Word of God. He is the bread of life, right? Never hunger again. That's the promise to those who eat of this bread. He is the manna from heaven that was sent down to provide life. He takes the Word. He blesses it. He has blessed it. It's His Word. Breathed from the Holy Spirit Himself. He breaks it. What does that mean? He opens it up to us. He breaks it down. Maybe it's got crust on the outside like bread. He breaks it open. The good part's in the middle. And He gives it to us. He gives us His Word, doesn't He? And what happens? Verse 31 says, And their eyes were open, and they knew Him. Are your eyes open this morning? Do you see Him as your only Savior? Sent by God the Father for you. Praise God if you do. Because He has blessed His Word. And He has broken it or opened it to your understanding. And you see Him. What a Savior. Isn't God's Word amazing? Verse 32 says, And they said one to another, Did did not, not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures? Our hearts burn within us when He opens the Scriptures up to us, doesn't it? Yes. Because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And they rose up the same hour, verse 33, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together in them uh, that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way or on the road to Emmaus, and how he was known of them in breaking up bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? What thoughts? Doubts that that was really him. They thought it was a ghost or, or a spirit or... Well, they call that an apparition or whatever. They doubted that it was really Him. Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, or come check out my hands and my feet. 
that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, they were overjoyed, but they weren't sure. And they wondered. He said unto them, Have ye see have you here any meat or any food? I'm gonna prove it to you now that it was me, that's what he's saying. And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. They were fishermen. Of course they had some fish on hand. And of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. It was really the same body that they put in that tomb. It was really his body. And he said unto them, verse 44, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. In other words, I told you this already. Which were written in the law of Moses. He had shown them himself in the Old Testament. We just scratched a little bit of the surface of that. And with Moses and the, all the prophets. And in the Psalms concerning me, he said, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Praise God, he's still doing that. So glad. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name. There we are at our duty again, isn't it? Our responsibility again. Our wonderful privilege again. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And we, we know they were in the book of Acts. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. The hands that they had just examined that still had the nail holes in them. And blessed them. And it came to pass, verse 51, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. He didn't leave his body on this earth. His body was allowed into heaven. Though the Bible teaches that no flesh shall enter. But you see, his flesh was perfect. And not sinful. He didn't inherit the curse. Nor did he ever sin. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. What a Savior. This Bible is all about Him. Our lives 
the purpose of our lives. Our reason reason for living is all about Him. It really is. And as we depend on Him, He's continually drawing us closer and closer to Him. I have a circle up here on the board. Outside of this circle is the world. Inside this circle I have written life. And inside the circle is a nucleus or another circle in the center. And there is Jesus. As we live this life for Him, as long as we look to Him and trust in Him for all of our needs, praise Him for all of the life that we have, we are growing in and toward Him stronger and stronger. But if we look to the world for our spiritual needs, we're going to be disappointed, aren't we? And when I say look to the world, that's any other human being too. No human can give you peace in your heart that Jesus Christ has. Oh, let's look to Him in everything and realize He is all in all. What a great Savior we serve.